well, the second that I said to Johnny, just wait in the waiting room, Johnny, um, um, I'm going to talk to mum and dad first, then then he knew that it, it was a bad scan. So I think it is absolutely thinking about each situation as it comes. And I guess giving the opportunity to people to to change their minds often you know often at the start people are more reluctant to see scans than if they get further through treatment it is important to record the preferences of not just of the parent but the child as well of whether they want to see it or not and to make sure to keep checking because these can change and the the meanings change over time Hi, my name is Rachel Becko. I'm a senior editor of the Archives of Disease and Childhood. I have here with me the first author of the paper, Qualitative Study, Patients and Parents' View on Brain Tumour MRIs, Ms. Natalie Tilsley Marshall, and Dr. Gail Halliday, consultant in paediatric oncology. We'll be talking about the impact that routine MRIs have on patients and their families during follow-up for brain tumour treatment. Um, before we start the conversation, please could you, Natalie, and then Gail, introduce yourself. I'm Natalie. Um, I'm a research fellow for the Institute of Applied Health Research at the University of Birmingham. And the paper I wrote was done in collaboration with the Birmingham Children's Hospital a couple of years ago. And uh, my name's Gail Halliday. I'm a consultant uh, paediatric oncologist at the Great North Children's Hospital in uh, in Newcastle, um, where I specialise in the care of uh, children and adolescents with brain tumours and other solid malignancies. So before we go into the paper and, and talk a bit about uh, about that, I wonder, Gail, maybe you could set the scene from your perspective when you're ordering a, what might be called a routine MRI. Yeah, so um, the purpose of, of these scans really is to see whether the tumour is behaving in the way they, that we want them to. We call a guess we call a routine MRI and um, one when a patient has completed the therapy that we planned for them and then we're monitoring to see that the tumour has has either completely disappeared or remains um, quiescent depending upon the type of tumour that will depend upon how often um, we do it for the more aggressive tumours you do it more frequently and for the less aggressive tumours a little less frequently somewhere between every three six months, sometimes up to a year, a child, a child who has completed therapy for brain tumour will have a scan to see that everything continues to look okay. Um, certainly in our practice in Newcastle, um, you know, we give scan results in different ways. Some of our patients will scan on the day of clinic, um, and in which case they'll receive a result only from an oncologist and not from a trained radiologist, um, whereas some of our patients um, will scan under general anaesthetic and therefore will receive, well, my patients at least will receive the result of their, um, of their scan at a later stage, but that differs very much between consultants and what practice they, they prefer to adopt. So maybe, Natalie, if you could describe what you, what you set out to understand, um, specifically talk a bit to the methods that you used um, uh, in, in, in getting your answers. Uh, so we'd interview the parent and child, asking the child the question first and then the parent. But actually before this, um, we'd, we'd had a getting to know session. So 
it would be less sort of stressful for the child to, to have to meet a new person for the first time. I would, you know, talk to them, draw with them, play with them more for another session and then we would meet again to ask the questions. Um, so for these interviews, um, they were digitally recorded um, with a dictaphone and then transcribed. And, um, um, but then you'll read it through carefully of line by line to sort of break it up into bits and say, oh, what's the sort of meaning behind this they're trying to say that they found seeing the image scary or that they found the image reassuring and we you sort of then compare all these bits once you've broken it down into chunks you then compare all these um, this is called coding and you compare that against the other transcripts of the parents and children as well so again you're refining what it is you think you found and then when you find those that are particular similarities and you can put them into a category such as you know the value of MRI or feelings on first seeing uh, MRIs um, and in some ways it's always going to be you know you're bringing your own assumption your experience and but you know equally you can't just make up something that's not there and um, you know we did use the framework method so again you're putting into a spreadsheet all different sort of examples so if someone wanted to see well, where did you get this idea of reassurance from then you can show them we also had clinicians and ppi um parents of current and former patients to make sure that it wasn't just a reflection of me or you know to get that clinician perspective sociologist perspective patients and parents perspectives so. so if you could could just then go through what do you what do you think the, um, the main messages are from your study. So what did the, what did the parents and children tell us? Um, um, so no one who'd seen the images said, oh, I never wished, I wish I'd never seen them. You were traumatising me for no reason. Um, and even the one person who thought, who didn't, who had never seen them because they thought they would be too, too distressed, um, thought that if they did, they would understand better, but they didn't think it was worth it to, to have that image of the tumour in their child's brain and, um, so they didn't think it was sort of worth that. And certainly there is a lot of variety in um, people's preferences about when they wanted to see them. Um, some, to, uh, some people, it was when it was new, they wanted to see everything and, you know, you almost glued to the screen, want to know this, want to know that. Um, but after a while, sort of calmed down, it became more routine. Whereas with others, it was, especially sort of the children, when they were at the start, they were very young and didn't really you know get some of the importance they didn't have interest but they started wanting to as they were older others would say oh just show me if something changes or just show me you know if it's good news you know um it is important to um to record the preferences of um not just of the parent but the child as well of whether they want to see it or not and to make sure to keep checking because these can change and the the meanings change over time and whether they want to see that yeah, so so that's it's not it's not a necessarily straightforward answer. Yeah, just wondering whether whether we could ask Gail how how that resonates. Yeah, you know, certainly there are all things that I think we do um, experience in uh, in in day to day uh, practice. I think um, often you know often they do they do want to see the scan. If you know if there's a if there's a before and after scan, it makes it quite a lot easier so if you've got a tumor that the surgeons have been able to remove and it looks dramatically different before and after then people quite like seeing that and find it 
quite reassuring. I guess the tumours that you can't resect and therefore you give other types of treatment to, you know, such as um, such as radiation or chemotherapy. Well, actually, the radiation scan, the, the first scan immediately after radiation can look a whole lot worse. Yeah. And then that's a difficult one to look at and describe. And very much I feel the kind of, you know, yes, they, they might want to see a good scan, but they don't want to see a bad scan. And, you know, you have that moment where you're walking to pick them up from the waiting room. And, you know, my patients say to me, we know instantaneously from the look on your face whether we're going to get a good result or mm. a bad result. Um, but, um, you know, because it's very, very difficult to hide when you're giving someone bad news um but also that kind of you know as soon as they walk into the room so if someone else brings them into the room they look to see whether they can see the screen or not see the screen and if the screen's oh. turned away from them in a way then because you know they've made an indication that they never want to see a bad scan then they know oh. i think the thing that i also find very interesting when i read your paper is that is the thing about size you know from from our point of view size doesn't matter you know it's it's really about what the you know what the biology is behind the tumor you know it can be an enormous tumor with nice biology or it can be a tiny tumor that's terribly aggressive with terrible biology but it is i i thought it was particularly interesting to read that the uh that the, the families have a real obsession with size and they do often ask you about size and kind of reflecting back on that as i read the paper you know it, it does make me think i will answer that question in in the future because often you do find yourself getting out the calipers and measuring for them the size of the tumor it's important to think about why they're asking that question and to kind of you know reflect it back to them mm. in a way that's meaningful mm. well, one of the things that that surprised me um was uh that sometimes uh, parents would like to hear the results even though it's not fully accurate so preferring um, less time waiting um, was that was that something that that you were surprised about were, were there other things um, I think as well that the PI was quite surprised and the the PPI um, uh, were more about yes yeah, speed you know and get it quicker I want to know you know I don't want to be waiting I want to know um, and yet when it was a sort of hypothetical, yeah, there was, there's a lot of them saying, you know, oh, well, it's, you know, it's hell, it's hell waiting, but I'd rather wait and get the right answer rather than be told everything's fine when it's not, or be told, you know, it's, 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 it's all gone. You know, it's all hit the fan when it's actually fine. Yeah. I suppose it was also surprising with some of the kids, cause it was, there's one of the questions was, um, you know, if there were an additional scan that brought new information, but it might be less accurate um, than the scans you have now. Yeah, there was quite a few where it was accuracy and they were like, no, 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 I want, you know, accuracy. Well, what's your take on that, Gail? Yeah, I, I, I find this um, quite, quite challenging. Um, you know, it's, I, you know, you're in the middle, so we we have a variation in practice depending on um, whether our patients get a general anaesthetic or whether they get a scan on the day of clinic. 
um, and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a neuroradiologist and I don't have the expertise of a neuroradiologist. So yes, I can look at a scan and see whether there's something very obvious there, but actually there's increasing number of techniques. It's not just a straightforward MRI. There's many other bits that they, that they bring in. They look at, you know, diffusion weighting. They look at MRS and, and, and various bits, which I don't have the expertise to interpret fully in a, you know, in a 15 minute clinic slot where I need to see the patients, I need to examine the patient, I need to look at the MRI and I need to convey the MRI result to the family. Um, and it, 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 it feels a lot of pressure. I've come into a system where it was set up that that's what happens. So the patient had the MRI, they then go and see the consultant and get given the result. I have to be honest and say that if I was setting up the system myself, I would set it up the way I have for my patients that get the general anaesthetic. So they come in, they have the general anaesthetic, they get the scan and they go home. They return to see me two weeks later in clinic. Um, by the time a neuroradiologist has looked at the scan, reported the scan, and they get an accurate detailed report. And then we can, you know, I've had the opportunity to look at the scan myself as well, and we can sit and talk through it. Um, I hear that it is, you know, that for them it is another two weeks of of anxiety. Um, but also if for the patients that I do, you know, have a look at the scan on the day and, um, and, and, you know, give them my interpretation of the scan, I'm always very careful to say, you know, this is my interpretation of the scan. Um, it will not be formally reported for at least a couple of weeks. Um, and, um, you know, clearly if there is anything that differs to my report, then I will contact you. Um, I think in an ideal world, you know, you'd have a setting where they'd come in, they'd have the MRI, the neuroradiologist would look at the MRI and then you'd, you know, and then you'd give the report, but it's just not realistic. Mm. So I'm, I'm now just wondering, sort of, so what do we do with this information? How do we <laughs> apply the knowledge that has, has come from this uh, paper? Um, there's definitely bearing in mind preferences are different and there can be difference between each parent even and the child and to keep these keep be mindful of these and to keep these updated and check um people would sort of say things like um well anyone can read a scan even i can read a scan um and some of these you know they've been viewing and uh, they've been coming for for cancer scans for sort of years um even if they seem to know uh, and be confident and you know read sort of well sometimes they can still have doubt or be unclear um and so yeah framing it as I suggested oh this is good news or this is sort of stable or um and just being clear not not taking for granted that because they've had a tumor for many years that a scan is obvious to read from just looking at and giving results mm. so no assumptions mm. Gail yeah, I mean, I think that leads very right. I think it is a situation where you can't make assumptions. And even when you feel that you've got an established pattern um, with a family, what, what works is their established pattern when they're just getting good news might not work when they're getting bad news. You know, certainly I've had that feedback where this is how we want to do scans. Okay, so we do it that way. And then you get feedback after, I can't believe you had, um, I can't believe you brought Johnny into the room when you told Johnny that it was a bad scan. You know, the second that actually, and you know, it's then, it's then trying to reestablish things and say, well, the second that I said to Johnny, just wait in the waiting room, Johnny, um, um, I'm going to talk to mum and dad first, then, then he knew that it, it was a bad scan. So I think, you know, I think it, it is absolutely thinking about each situation as it, as, it, as it comes. And I guess giving the opportunity to people to, 
to to change their minds often you know often at the start people are more reluctant to see scans than if they get further through treatment but to remember to 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 give them the opportunity and to yeah and to reflect you know the fact that there is uncertainty sometimes um i i think it's it's easy um for parents exactly as natalie says to you know to think that it's really pretty straightforward to tell whether there's a tumour there or not but it's not always quite quite so simple and it's not always a two-minute job thank you thank you both uh, to me that was a was a was a fascinating um combination of uh real life practice um and and rich research uh to to come together and then inform us uh, what we, what it is that we might want to do in not just in this situation in terms of MRIs um, for children with brain tumours and the um, some of the lessons come also from um, how do we how do we go about uncertainty and how do we respond to that so thank you both for thank joining you. me <laughs> the paper we just talked about is free to read for a month on adc.bmj.com. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And thank you and see you next time.